Back with another edition of the Boilers Extra podcast. Appreciate you stopping by. Uh, recording this Monday afternoon, December 14th. And we had a press conference with Jeff Brom today, and no one knew exactly what to ask <laughs> because we're all, at least from my standpoint, we're all just kind of sitting there going, is this game really going to get played on Friday between Purdue and Indiana? I think we all know it's not, but we have to go through the exercise and ask the questions as far as, um, you know, how do you prepare? I, you know, are you, is your program still paused? Is you know, what, what position groups have been hit, hit the hardest? Will you have to adjust personnel? Yes. Yes. All those questions. So the sooner they call this thing off, the better. There's just, I mean, I, I don't personally see a way how they can play this game on Friday. Because if you are a regular listener, I said last week, and I've written, if you couldn't play last week, based on the Big Ten protocols, what makes you think you can play this week? You know, if players have to be out 21 days, and coaches have to be out 10 days. Who's left? And, you know, we have an idea of what's happening at Purdue as far as who's who potentially could be out based on things that I've heard. But I have no idea what's going on in Indiana from a who might be out standpoint. You know, on Monday, Indiana didn't do anything again. So we're coming up on a full week where they haven't had any, uh, quote, football team-related activities because they've been on pause. Purdue doesn't even know if it's on pause or not. Jeff Brom didn't know if they were on pause or not. The fact that they practiced today in helmets, socially distant, with mask on, tells me they're not on pause anymore because if you were on pause, you wouldn't even be doing that. So they're just... There, there's still uncertainty, but there is certainty. Uh, I think we're all would be shocked if Purdue played another football game uh, this this season. The only way I think it happens, if somehow, some way, uh, there's a bowl that needs a two and four team that has lost four in a row. And the last time I checked, that's not really part of the criteria. And it's and at this point, how many players on Purdue's team is actually they've actually checked out? Um, and it's just time to time to move on. You have seniors now starting to think about the NFL. If they haven't already started thinking about the NFL, which we know some of them already have, and just what kind of performance you're going to get, and basically, you know, and if. If what we're hearing is accurate, you know, who, who in the heck is even going to be available to play? And I'm sure they could throw somebody in there to be a running back, but beyond that, I mean, you're already, you know, George Karloftis was supposed to come back. I'll get to that in a second, but George Karloftis was supposed to come back this week after his 21 days. But, you know, based on what I've heard, you know, Purdue would be down another superstar player for this game. So, um, you know, there's just really, just not. There's nothing for Purdue to play for other than the bucket, which is a big deal. I get it. 
there's no way Indiana wants to play this game just from a practical standpoint because they do risk losing a game and that would take them out of major bowl consideration. Right now they're sitting at 6-1. and one. They're in a decent position. I do think that uh, the Big Ten will do what it can to try to get Indiana in a position for a, a major bowl game against a marquee opponent, preferably in a primetime s- spot, as a way to, you know, say thank you for not raising too much of a fu- uh, ruckus when when the, the Big Ten decided to change the minimum game rule to help Ohio State get in the championship game and therefore get in the college football playoff. I think the Big Ten owes um, – I think, the, I think the Big Ten probably wants to do Indiana a solid there and get them into a, a pretty good bowl game. But, <clears throat> excuse me, all that could get thrown out the window if Northwestern beats Ohio State. Because and then Northwestern probably gets a they, – they would get whatever automatic bid is out there. They're, they're not going to make the college football playoff. But they're going to get a pretty good bowl game out of it. And then you'd have Ohio State still sitting out there they would get a good bowl game out of it. And I just don't know if there's enough really good bowl games left for for Indiana, unfortunately. But all this would be based on the fact that Ohio State would beat Northwestern. Then I think IU would have a pass to get to New Year's Six Bowl game, maybe the Fiesta Bowl, um, and play maybe a you know USC or somebody from the Pac-12 uh, that would help its – this. Just help it put them in put them in a in a in a spot where it's the only game going on. You know they can get that attention. They get on that platform, um, and then you know you kind of you help them out after Indiana. You know help the Big Ten out a little bit. But you know Indiana can't afford another loss. So if they play this game and they're and let's say they are missing significant players that's going to hurt them in the long run. So I, they don't have a lot of motivation to play this game, and I don't blame them. If the situation was reversed, Purdue would do the same thing. Purdue wouldn't have a lot of motion, motivation to play this game because you don't want to hurt your current standing. And IU probably will take that approach. They'll, publicly they won't, but that's kind of, I, to me that's kind of what's going on. But Purdue's acting like it's going to prepare and get ready for the game. Um, I, I just, again, I don't see it happening based on, um, everything that's kind of swirling around. Um, so, uh, we'll see. It's scheduled for Friday night at 7.30 in Bloomington. And if it does get dinged again, uh, BTN would just move that Rutgers-Nebraska game from 4 o'clock to either 7 o'clock or 7.30. And, uh. Play it, play that in the prime time spot. I, I, I slot. I, I would guess when they put together the schedule, that was kind of the thinking. Okay, play the you know schedule this game first at four, and then if Purdue and IU don't play, we'll just slide slide that game down to seven or seven thirty, and then you know BTN has a prime time game on um, uh, Friday night. It's not Purdue Indiana, but it's Nebraska Rutgers and. Um, you kind of take care of all parties there. Then you get into Saturday's game. You know, the other question about Saturday is, you know, what's Michigan's situation going to be? They're supposed to play Iowa on Saturday night. Um, they've been off for a couple weeks. 
So kind of curious where that goes. But back to Jeff Brown's press conference today, he didn't really offer a whole lot and not surprised he didn't offer a whole lot. I know the fan base is a little irritated with him because he's not offering a whole lot, and it's been that way here in in recent weeks. But today he wasn't going to offer a whole lot because he couldn't. Uh, but the one the one thing that bothered me, the one thing that does bother me about this whole situation is they're, they're picking and choosing when they want to talk about COVID and players and when they don't want to talk about COVID and players. And the, pri- the perfect example to me, and I tweeted about this, on November 24th, the school announced, Purdue announced, that George Karloftis uh, tested positive for COVID-19 that, and he would be out. You know, the school put out a press release about that. They sent it out to whoever covers Purdue. And, of course, everybody picked up on it because of George's uh, stature with the team and his, you know, his status within the program as a, as a superstar player. You know, Jeff Brown had said, you know, he, he felt it was important that people know, knew that George wouldn't be available. Okay, three weeks later, it's December 14th, uh, Jeff Brom has asked again, will George Karloftis be ready for this week because he, he would be eligible to come back after sitting out the 21 days that the Big Ten has uh, said must happen. Well, then Jeff says he, he can't say anything about that. Well, I mean, that's hogwash or stronger language, but it's a podcast, so we, we try to keep it somewhat clean. But that's just, that's, that's just totally wrong if you can say it three weeks ago you can say something now and that 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 bothers me to the you know that he he, that's the way that he handled that um you know don't give me HIPAA rules or medical privacy three weeks ago and I'm sure George had to sign off hey we're going to release this and George probably said okay but don't come back three weeks later and say, well, we can't we can't talk about that now. You've already talked about it. Everybody knows he had COVID. Everybody knows he's coming back. Everybody knows that he's eligible to play this week if Purdue plays the game. But don't you know, don't sit back there and and I and I don't know if Jeff made that decision or that somebody above Jeff told him not to say anything, or somebody around Jeff told him not to say anything. But I just thought that was extremely strange and odd and really uncalled for when you get right down to it. And they don't treat everybody the same. They don't treat everybody the same when it comes to that. You know, we didn't know exactly what was going on with Rondell Moore for a long time. Well, didn't know. I mean, I think people kind of knew, but they they didn't know for sure. But the way they played the cat and mouse game with that, and then Jalen Graham, you know, last week or week and a half ago, you know, he didn't play against Nebraska. And when asked about it, Jeff said, well, you know, there's a lot of sickness in the world, but I really can't say anything about that other than you just said something that would lead everyone to believe that Jalen Graham was done for the year because of, of a positive test. So the inconsistencies there, and I understand, you know, you're trying to – protect the rights of, of people and, and your and your and your players. I get that. But there has to be a level of consistency. Well we did this, so shouldn't we continue to do the same thing? Or 
you know, or you just don't know from player to player or from situation to situation what's what you're going to get. And it's it's the frustrating part of our job because you know you continue to ask the questions and you don't know exactly what you're going to get out of those answers. I fully expected today when he was asked about George Kaloff to say yes. His three weeks are up. If um, you know if he gets back to practice and he does well, then he will play. You know if he has any other setbacks or you know he's not he doesn't feel right or he doesn't feel like he can protect himself in a game, then he won't play. Um, that's what I thought that we would hear about that. Other than well, I can't really say anything. Again, I, I don't. I don't. I'm pretty sure Jeff didn't come up with that. I think it was probably, again, somebody above him or someone in his ear uh, in the football office uh, telling him uh, what, to, what to say about that. And some of it is you're playing, you're trying to uh, play, trying to get a competitive advantage. And I understand that they're not going to come out and say these players by name are are out because of COVID. I get that because you are trying to, maintain some some sort of competitive advantage if you happen to play the game but um but i just thought i would say that about that and we didn't learn really anything else from from jeff's monday press conference which will be our last one of the season um hopefully we can talk to him on wednesday on signing day uh and might be able to squeeze in a couple questions about you know, the 2020 season and, you know, how it got off the rails the way it did and um, and then start looking ahead to 2021 because in this strange year, you got signing day, Wednesday, and you're still trying to deal with your current team possibly getting ready for a game. But then in a two or three weeks, you're going to transition right into the 2021 season and you've got seniors uh, who I think – Jeff knows who's coming back, who who wants to come back, uh, and who doesn't want to come back, and you're just putting kind of the final pieces to your 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 2021 roster for the spring of how that's going to look. But they will have some seniors that will want to play another year. Uh, to me, the most interesting one is Derek Barnes. Uh, you know, he looks ready to go to the next level based on how he played, especially the last few weeks, but. Is he in a situation where, you know, you strike, you strike when he's playing maybe at his best, um, or do you come back and try to get another year of seasoning? Um, and you know, a lot of it may depend on what things look like within the program, whether he wants to to do that again. But I would hope that they have a spot reserved for him. Uh, if he if he does decide to come back, I think he would be a huge boost to the defense, regardless of the scheme, uh, regardless of the situation. Uh, he would be a he'd be a guy that you would you would want back um, uh, on on your team. But you also understand if he would not want to come back if he wants to take that next step. I mean, we all know Rondell's gone, um, and there'll be some other seniors. Grant Herman's that, that's probably gone that won't come back. Another interesting one is Greg Long, uh, right tackle. He was basically healthy this year for the first time in two or three years. Uh, he had a couple holding calls in the, in the Nebraska game, but I think overall he played he played well enough. But 
probably is a guy that needs more plays on tape to to show NFL scouts uh, that he's that he's ready. So he would probably and plus he gives you an experienced piece on that offensive line, and you've got most of those guys coming back other than than probably Hermans. I mean, you'd have to find a left tackle, but does you know Greg Long make the move to left tackle, or do you feel comfortable with what you have on the roster uh, to make uh, to to put somebody in at uh, at left tackle? So those are just some of the questions that once I say that once the Indiana game gets dinged, that uh, uh, that the Brahm and everything. Um, um, Brahm and everyone will have to will kind of have to deal with, and I think they're already dealing with it. I think they have a good idea who's coming back, who they want back, and how it's all going to fit. They're going to sign a small class on Wednesday, smaller than normal, and then you know kind of gear up for. Uh, they're signing a small class in part because they don't have a lot of seniors on this year's team, but also you need to have some spots available for the seniors that want to come back and. You know, Jeff did say today that they will be probably more active in the transfer market than they have been. Uh, so, you know, we'll see how that goes. Um, you know, Purdue, you know, the Purdue's a program that's always going to need some help somewhere along the way that you can't get from a, a signing class. So they're going to have to look for some experienced guys to come in and help. And that could be any position. Um you know, it's kind of like the draft. You kind of look at the best available athlete and go from there. But, you know, right now Purdue's not kind of the hot program that transfers may want to go to. I mean, transfers are looking, I think, for a couple things. One, playing time. I, mean, I think that's evident. It doesn't really – and I don't think wins and losses really factor into it as much when when uh, transfers are looking at that. I mean, they're looking at playing time, who's graduating, Who's not going to be there? Is there a quicker way for me to get on the field at another program as opposed to where I'm at now? Um, I think that's one. The other thing too, I think, is is winning and um, and whether players want to be involved in some sort of winning culture and you know a chance to maybe win a championship. So, you know, there's kind of two ways they look at it. But I do think number one is playing time. I think they 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 scour the rosters and they. They're looking and they're doing deep dives on who's coming back and who's not, and uh, and they're picking schools based on you know th- those factors uh, before they're going to a winning program or oh this team has a chance to win a championship. But I think those things are are bonuses to transfer. I think transfers are just looking to go somewhere to play and play play now, and maybe not have to. Uh, compete as much for the job, um, but yeah, I think I think Brom, Brom has proven over time that even if you are a transfer, jobs are not handed to you. You have to win them in in preseason camp. But anyway, I think you know Purdue's probably going to be more active in that market and just seeing who's out there and seeing what they can do. And you know they got to save some room from a scholarship standpoint uh, to make that happen. Anyway, that's going to wrap up uh, Monday's edition of uh, of the Boulders Extra podcast. Uh, basketball opens Big Ten season on Wednesday. Um, you know, Purdue coming off the win against Indiana State. You know, obviously, Travion Williams and Aaron Wheeler played well. Um, but, you know, this is going to be a big, big test 
not only Saturday or Wednesday, but you got Saturday Notre Dame and then two weeks of hell from the Big Ten or more, longer than that when you factor in because um, you got Ohio State Wednesday, Notre Dame on Saturday, at Iowa on the 22nd, Christmas Day at home against Maryland, at Rutgers on the 29th, at Illinois on January 2nd, I believe home to Nebraska on January 5th, and then they're going to Michigan State and Indiana. Not, I don't have the dates in front of me, but they are their road games to start the Big Ten season are the most difficult, I believe, of any team because you're at Iowa, you're at Rutgers, you're at Illinois, you're at Michigan State, and you're at Indiana. That's five. That's five difficult road games all kind of in a row. It's not like, I mean, you may play those five road games during the course of a 20-game season, but you're not playing them in your first uh, eight games of the conference. (laughs) So, you know, Purdue can somehow survive that road stretch. And, you know, Part of the good news is they don't have crowds there, but still you're on the road and you've got to deal with, you know, whatever environment is there. And But that's a really, really difficult position for this team to be in um, to start the conference season. And, you know, somehow if they can tread water out of that, you know, maybe they can, you know, push themselves up the conference standings to a point where they're not, you know, they're trending up instead of, Trending toward the bottom. Um, I think we all know this is a middle, middle of the road Big Ten, Big Ten team right now. Um, but maybe you can get in a position where um, you know. I think from this year, if if they play the full season, if somehow you know Purdue could get a buy in the Big Ten tournament, I think that would be uh, successful. I don't, you know, I think you're trying to avoid playing on the first day. Maybe if you get a slot in there in the second day. I mean, we do know that Purdue is not good enough right now to get a double bye at finishing in the top four. I don't think Purdue's bad enough to be playing on the first day because that would be the bottom four teams. So you're looking somewhere in the middle, five to nine, five to ten uh, in that range uh, where they will be finished. But can you get – can you get – Closer to five as opposed to getting closer to ten. Um, and you may be eight. And that's that may be where they belong. But if somehow they can survive this early stretch, maybe they get maybe they got a chance to be closer to five than they do um, ten ten at that point. But anyway, they got the Buckeyes on Wednesday and um Really, uh, you know, nobody's had enough games to really prepare for the Big Ten. So we're going to see how this plays out uh, starting Wednesday. You know, Purdue needs to get off to a good start, take care of its home games, all that kind of stuff, and uh, see what see what kind of happens. Anyway, appreciate you stopping by. Uh, we'll, we'll knock out another one of these coming up, either preview Ohio State or do it after the Ohio State game. Uh, depends, like, when they call off this football game, <laughs> whether I have time or not. Uh, to do it and try to come back, you know, once the football season officially ends and maybe recap, you know, what we saw this year, what we learned uh, and what needs to happen 
uh, moving forward uh, for this program because you are know, approaching year five of Jeff Brom um, and some things need to get straightened out um, and some things need to start pointing in the right direction um, for this for this program to, to move forward. I, again, I've said this before and I'll say it again and I firmly believe this. Jeff Brom is good for Purdue. Purdue is good for Jeff Brom. But somehow they've got to they've got to get some things corrected, um, and the the program just is not trending right at this point. I don't believe it's a disaster. I don't believe it's at a point where you know you've got to you've got to make changes, but you know some things need to turn around um, and start heading in 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 the other direction. I believe. Um, for the for the betterment of, of of things, but you know that's that to me that's kind of where things stand right now. All right, we we'll back. Uh, worst case scenario after Wednesday's bucket game, uh, or not bucket game? What am I saying? Buckeye game. <laughs> Ohio State and Purdue from Mackey tips at seven. Anyway, we'll we'll recap that uh, in words and in voice. Uh, following following Wednesday night's game. Appreciate you stopping by. Have a good day.